on the solemnity of Corpus Christi, I thought I will focus on the incredible gift of the precious blood. We speak very little about the blood of Jesus to our own great loss. Yet the blood of Jesus is the most complete image. In one sense, you could say it is probably the most complete image of the incredible gift that God has given us, of what God has done for us, of what God has endowed us with. The thought of blood might make us a little bit queasy. We rarely see blood spilt. Yet the scriptures are rife with the mention of blood, especially in the Old Testament. And this was true across all ancient cultures. Blood was necessary in all religious rituals, to seal a covenant, to establish peace between tribes. And the scriptures say, without blood there is no forgiveness of sins. The spilt blood said something about the gravity of the sins. Sin costs something, how much ever we trivialize it. And for the Jews, blood was life, and sin led to death. As Leviticus puts it, it is the blood that makes atonement by reason of the life. Blood was the most visceral representation of our state, that we were dying because of our sins. And the necessity for blood, for forgiveness, has not gone away with the New Testament. It has just become infinitely greater. It is no longer an animal slaughtered which obtained forgiveness, but it needed the blood of the Son of God to obtain forgiveness for our sins. The animals which were killed only stood in the place of what was coming, of who was coming, so much greater than what people had before. It is by the blood of Jesus that we are cleansed, made whole, healed. But we can still ask, why is such a gruesome image? Why blood? And I want to approach this from some fascinating insights I found in a book called In His Image by a highly recognized Christian doctor, Dr. Paul Brand particularly the power of blood as life, as cleansing, and as defense, I would highly encourage you to get the book. It is a marvelous piece of work. So let's begin. The blood as life. Leviticus says, For the life of the creature is in the blood. You shall not consume it. Blood in the body flows through every cell we have. Apparently, we have trillions of cells. I do not know this. And cells have varied functions. Some of them have very specialized functions. And they have different nutritional requirements. The blood is like a superhighway, which carries the nutritional needs of every cell in the body. Blood is literally life in the body. Brand uses this analogy of if you had to imagine a superhighway snaking through every house possible, and it contained everything possible we could, we, we might need. You could just grab hold of it as it passed through, much like you go to your favorite sushi place and uh, all this sushi keeps going past you, except that you have to pay for it at the end. Here it is free, just as you grab hold of it, it is what you have taken hold of is produced in another place. Sounds like heaven, except that is what happens in our body. <laughs> Every nutritional need of every cell, which are all differing, is provided for by blood. When blood doesn't flow to a part of the body, what happens when you have frostbite? That part can be broken off. It becomes dead. Um, when blood doesn't reach the brain for about five minutes, the person goes brain dead. They die. That is how important blood is for life. And this prohibition that we shouldn't eat animal blood, which was given to the Jews, had a very important function. It represented something. 
The ancients didn't have our microscopes to know how much a life a tiny speck of blood carried, but it was embedded in their consciousness. And this prohibition of consuming blood was because this life belonged to God. It reminded them every day that life belonged to God and it had to be poured out. Blood always and everywhere had to be poured into the ground. And as mortal beings who die, we thirst for life. This is most obvious in the fact that we eat two or three times a day to keep ourselves going. We don't have life in ourselves. We have to consume life, consume flesh, consume the life of other beings, plants and animals and whatnot, in order to be living, in order to stay alive. And this is also an analogy for our spiritual lives. We have a great thirst for life. We seek life in all kinds of things. And this prohibition reminds us that while we are animals, we share 99% of our DNA with animals, we are actually created for a higher life. Spiritually speaking, we hover somewhere between animals and angels. We have a consciousness like angels. We have an openness to the transcendental like angels and the incredible gift that we have been given the incredible promise the incredible thing that god has done says that we are created for something even greater than angels god has given us his own life while we are we share our animal life with the animals we have been created for heaven itself and this is what the prohibition reminds us this is what the prohibition reminded the Jews, that they bore the image of God. And this life comes from God. Only the life and the love of God can fulfill us. And if we don't find our fulfillment in the life that God offers, we can descend to our animal roots. And this is frightening because it's we, when we descend, when we let go of this aim of where we are headed, we can become worse than animals. Animals mate and particular seasons, they attack only when they are threatened, they eat only when they are hungry. We can commit acts of evil for no reason. We have an infinite longing and we can turn that infinite longing into something abhorrent. We can eat when we are not hungry, hungry. we can do evil things to others, we can go after all kinds of finite things and never be satisfied. Which is why this prohibition was a visceral reminder no, your life comes from God and it is from him that you will seek it. And today, that is what is being given to us in the blood of Jesus. And so this is life. And so let's move on to the next one about cleansing. 1 John says, If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of his son Jesus cleanses us from all sin. The scriptures frequently speak about being cleansed purified and made new by blood. We don't usually think of blood's cleansing properties. We only think of how hard it is to remove blood that might appear on clothes. But a very important function of blood, other than supplying the cells with the life they need, is to remove the toxins they produce. Brand gives this experiment. He says, if you tied a tonique to yourself, cutting off the flow of blood, let's say to your hand, and just opened and closed your fingers for about 10 to 12 times, Within a few moments, you will experience this shooting pain going through your hands. And this is simply because of the toxins produced by this very simple action. Without blood's cleansing action, without blood to recycle all of the toxins and to, and to make and to refresh the cells, 
It's impossible for any part of the body to function. It becomes corrupt, defiled, and it causes incredible pain. And as the scriptures say, if we have fellowship with one another, it is the blood of Jesus that makes our fellowship possible. In our daily interaction, even in the small interactions that we have, we produce a lot of toxins from our judgments, our evil thoughts, our anger and whatnot. And then, of course, that is on top of our own personal sins. We defile ourselves with all the things that we think, the things that we do. The sins that we commit, it wounds us, it breaks us. And it is the blood of Jesus that cleanses us and makes us new. It heals our relationships. It heals our heart. It makes us whole. His blood takes our defilement away, making us worthy to stand before the living God. And finally, the scriptures speak of the blood of Jesus as our defense. Revelation 12 says, They conquered him, meaning Satan, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. What does this mean? How do you conquer by the blood? We are fresh out of the pandemic. We know what the tiniest virus can do to us, crippling us and make, making us immobile. The race was on from day one of the pandemic to develop a vaccine. And today vaccines, we, we take vaccines for granted. But in prior times, before vaccines were invented, entire cities were wiped out in a matter of a year or so by diseases which we have managed to eradicate today. Brand recounts the history of smallpox, which ravaged Europe and the New World, and he gives one incident, especially as it reached Bogota in Colombia. Jenner, a British scientist, had discovered that a way of forming, a way of developing a vaccine which would fight smallpox. His theory was controversial, and the pe but the people were desperate. Finally, because this virus had hit Colombia, the Spanish king gave permission for his vaccine to be distributed to the people. The problem was, how do you get this vaccine across the ocean, keeping it alive when there was no refrigeration or other means, other sophisticated means that we have today? There was a very daring idea they put into place. 21 youngsters were recruited to be systematically infected one after the other to keep the vaccine alive across the journey. This might raise our eyebrows in terms of the ethics, but they did it against all odds and they managed to reach Colombia and to immunize the population over there, saving whole cities. Immunization equips the defense mechanisms carried by our blood, mainly the white blood cells. It gives them the material they need to fight the new infection. Without it, they are helpless against a deadly invader like smallpox. But if the defenses the blood needs, the information it needs, which the white blood cells can use to fight against an infection, are developed in another body, then that information can be transferred through vaccination, through immunization, through a transfusion of blood. And before going to the cross at the Last Supper, Jesus said, Be of good courage, I have overcome the world. What did he mean? It was as if, from the temptations onwards, Jesus willingly exposed himself to every attack of the enemy, everything that the enemy could throw at him. At the cross, Jesus would encounter the worst of all spiritual, physical, emotional horror, the traumas that we can face on earth. And that place, this deep, dark place, which none of us will have to face in full measure, was exactly what Jesus encountered, the place where Jesus went. And he overcame it by the power of his love, his divinity. And having risen from the dead, Jesus offers us his blood, which has overcome every evil force that can come against us. 
It was as if God, seeing how helpless we are with the, against the virus of sin, went into the depths of our horror to give us a remedy. His blood has the antibodies which we need, which we could never produce on our own. It protects us from the forces far too strong for us. When we are weak, overcome, frustrated, lost, abandoned, distraught, when we face temptations which we can't overcome, when we are crippled by our own sins, by our own faults, by our own weaknesses, when we feel that our anger is out of control, we are addicted, whatever it might be, Jesus says, I have encountered all these things and I've overcome them. Here, take this, drink my blood and find life, find strength, be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. When we take his blood, our bodies, our spiritual life, gets the information necessary, gets the strength necessary, gets the power necessary to produce our own antibodies, to, pro to become strong like Jesus. How incredible. Yet this is what he gives us in the sacrament. He gives us his life. He gives us his forgiveness, his cleansing, and he gives us his own defense. The church says, it is mortal sin to not go to Mass willingly on a Sunday. We don't usually preach this because we don't want to put people off, of course. But this is very literal. When we are suffering, when we are dying physically every day, and God gives us his life and we say we don't want this, of course we are dying. That's what mortal sin is, to die. And we don't have eternal life in us. We have to come back in order to be renewed, refreshed, given new life by the blood of Jesus. So this day, let us give thanks to God for this amazing sacrament. Jesus gives us his own blood very physically in the body and blood that we receive in the Eucharist. I got these amazing insights from a Protestant doctor. Protestants don't have this very physical thing that we have in the Eucharist. They have to appropriate what they understand from the scriptures by faith. How sad that we have something far greater. We have the physical blood that Jesus gives and we receive this both in the body and in the blood. We receive the entire Jesus. And sometimes we just don't believe. When we, don't, when we eat food, even if we don't like it, we are strengthened by that food. The Eucharist is like that. We receive something physical. It strengthens us. It transforms us. But when we believe, that, that spirit that we receive can work far more greater in us. That's what we see in the saints. So today, let us go to Mass. Let us go to the Eucharist. Let us, if we don't regularly go to the Eucharist, let us resolve to go every Sunday. Let us be refreshed by the love of God and be renewed. Let us have heart in front of the things that destroy us, knowing that Christ has already overcome. And in him, we find life. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you.